We're going to be looking at a different thief of joy today. We've looked at some different um, and very obvious ones throughout this. Uh, maybe some not so obvious. Um, but mostly everything that we've seen kind of involves some type of negative component, whether it's negative thought or negative event. Um, Last week we looked mostly at something that was neutral uh, in terms of our thought process, but, it, but a lot of it comes from negative, even positive. Uh, sometimes a positive thing can be a thief of joy uh, as we just kind of come to accept it as natural and, and, and we, no, we no longer feel the highs and lows at all. Uh, but this might be unexpected because it's a character that seems to be a positive thing overall. Uh, it seems to almost sometimes go hand in hand with joy. Very few things that are wrong have a, a good word and a, a, a bad connotation. But uh, we're talking about pride today, in a sense. And then... Very few things do you have to go, well, do you mean the good kind or the bad kind? Right? I mean, if, if we're talking about sin, you know, is that the good kind of murder or the bad kind of murder? Right? We, we don't use those things. Most things that God says he doesn't want us, this is not a good type of thing. But, but pride is this interesting word where we say, well, do you mean the good kind or the bad kind? Uh, because we talk about taking pride in things. And we, we, we like to take pride in handiwork, and, and we've talked about that even in, in, the, in terms of joy, that, that seeing accomplishment and, and seeing something well done, and, and I've invested time and I've invested effort instead of just going out and paying to get it done, um, so sometimes that, that creates a joy, that, that creates uh, something of substance. And so, so we're talking about pride, um, so we want to be careful how we're defining it. Uh, we talk about uh, a pride that even can be a sense of joy. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 4, he says, Great is my boldness of speech towards you, and great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort, and I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. He talks about boasting, this, this pride. I'm proud of you. And it gives me great joy. And so, so here's a type of pride that brings joy. And we say, well, where, where does the thief of joy come in? Well, it's obvious then that we're going to be looking at a different kind of pride. The kind that God warns against. And, and we know pride. Pride is the exalting of a self or the negative side of pride is this exalting of a self above and beyond where he is supposed to be. When we, when we leave that state where God made us to exist in, uh, that becomes a, a, an obvious error. And so the logical conclusion is that pride is opposite of humility. And so any circumstance where we find ourselves without genuine humility is a type of pride. And we're going to look at one of these, not the obvious ones, right? We know the obvious ones. Oh, I'm the best at everything I do, and uh, those types of things. And I'm better than this person, and I deserve things more than this person. Those are all pride. And we want to look at one that is 
not so obvious. And that is false humility. I want to talk about pride from the sense that it is a very subtle thing sometimes. Sometimes pride is a... uh, it, It doesn't always come straight at you. I mean, you know when pride comes straight at you. Arrogance. I mean, that just smacks you upside the face and is like, oh, that guy's arrogant. But, but false humility is a type of pride. I want to look at uh, 2 Corinthians uh, just a, a little bit earlier. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 and verse 12. <clears throat> it says, Our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly towards you. And so, uh, he's, he's proud of something, in a sense. But, but I want to look here at, at a different description of something. And the description of Christianity as simple. Christianity is simple. And it is sincere. Um, in writing sermons... One of the obstacles that, that preachers face is we want to be original. We want it to be exciting each week. We, we want it not to be the same. Well, I'm going to say the same things I say all the time. And, and so we have a challenge. Preachers have this challenge of, of trying to make the gospel exciting. The problem with that is, should be obvious is that I don't need to make the gospel anything. The gospel is the gospel. And, and, and we can present it from different perspectives and things, but, but the danger is in making it exciting and making it new and making it fresh. We can turn it into something it's not. It's designed to be simple. It's designed for simple thought. I mean, there's, there's complexity in it. There's, there's no doubt. But most of it is simple, and it's, it's simply sincere. It's understandable. It doesn't really require profound preaching skills. Simplicity relies on sincerity and complete honesty. And this is where we get into false humility. Because in making things exciting, or uh, in all of this, we, we can start, even if we don't want to, we can start to put in our own agendas. The, the things that we wish were in there, that may not be in there. Even well intentioned people, because pride is sneaky. It's not always right in your face. In the Sermon on the Mount, um, Jesus deals a lot with, with some prideful things. And, and some of them are, are very obvious. He talks about this, this one guy who prays. Oh man, I'm not, I'm not like this guy. Thank goodness I'm not. And that's, a, that's like that. That's an in-your-face pride. Anybody can look at that and go, man, that's wrong. 
It doesn't, it doesn't take the creator of the universe to go, man, there's something wrong with that guy. He um, insults others to build up himself. He, he talks about another guy who goes to the temple and he announces, he blows a trumpet before he's about to tithe. Again, that's kind of in your face. It's like, oh, I'm about to give. Remember the story where where, uh, Peter and John were going up to the the temple? It was not too long after this, right? And and he was asking for money, and they stopped, and they they say, why don't you look at us? And the man says, oh, I'm about to get to money. Why? Because he's used to people saying, look at us. Oh, that means money's coming. The, 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 pride, the pride people, the Pharisees, are about to give money. This must be a Pharisee who's about to announce to the world that he's going to give me money. So I'm about to get something out of the deal. Of course, Peter and John kind of button-hook everybody and don't give them any money. That's, again, that's obvious. But there's, there's one thing in the Sermon on the Mount that, that Jesus says that's not necessarily that obvious. He says, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with their sad look. They disfigure their faces so that they can appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But I tell you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face. So what they did was they got up in the morning. We're fasting. So they didn't comb their hair, maybe. And they didn't wash everything. And they go, oh, the struggle. Oh, the struggle. Oh, what, what's, what's wrong with you? Oh, I'm fasting. Right? It's passive-aggressive. It's what it is. Right? It, 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 you see it all the time. Facebook. Oh, it's such a hard day. Oh, what's wrong with you? Oh, Nothing. <laughs> Just my life story. When children are small, they write letters to Santa. This is what I want. They grow up. We ask. What do you ask your kids? What do you want for Christmas? You ever think about that idea? What do you want for Christmas? And they give us the list. They're past Santa Claus now. They realize the deal. And so on Christmas, we all pretend to be surprised. I mean, at the best, you knew it was going to be one of three or four things. And so it removes this suspense, it removes all the excitement. And so some people hint, they do this hinting thing, right? I don't want it to be so obvious, so I hint. I'll cut out a magazine article so my husband will catch the hint, or, like, well, yeah, whatever. Drop the hints. 
Because I kind of want to feel the spontaneity, but I kind of want the, the surprise element too, because that's always nice. But I don't want to be too surprised, because if it's too surprising, it might be something I don't want. And that's what's going on here. I, I, want, I kind of want the, the feel of the spontaneity. Of, oh, you're, you must be doing some, some noble thing. But I don't want to come out and be right in your face. I'm fasting today. Right, right in your face. So, so this is passive-aggressive false humility is what it is. And he says it ruins all these things. It ruins whatever genuine thing and sincere thing you might have been doing with the act is ruined. You've got your reward. You wanted people to say how wonderful and noble you are, but that's, that's all you're getting out of it. It's false Humility. I want uh, a misconception about false humility. It's typically perceived as disingenuous, which in this case it is. It's not always disingenuous. And, And I want to spend a lot of our time talking about the the type that comes from a source where we want to maybe be noble, but there's still a, a false humility. Remember. Any type of humility that is not genuine is false humility. It does not necessarily mean that we're bad people, but that we've bought into an idea that's incorrect. We might be mimicking something that, that someone has presented as a genuine type of humility that's not right, but it all comes back to pride. If it's not genuine humility, it's pride. People actually think they're being humble, and they're really trying to sound it in several cases, but they've bought into a definition that's not right. So I want to look at some of these. In, in Ukraine, there was a tradition, and I thought it was a cool tradition at first. It was kind of neat. Uh, however, when I learned of the tradition, I realized that for several years we had been offending everybody because <laughs> we didn't know that. This was something you were supposed to do, um, it, it, and so someone would 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 give us send us home with a tray of you know something whatever. Oh, here's some cookies or whatever, and we'd be very nice and we'd wash their plate up and and send it back to them. About three years in or four years, I don't know how long it was, we realized it's tradition that you send it back with something on it. I was like, I'm giving you a nice clean plate back. <laughs> you're, you're supposed to put some cookies on it. It's like, uh, and the exchange. And it was cool kind of tradition. That's neat. And then I realized what the heart of that is, is false humility. I said, What? The inability to receive a gift. The inability to accept a kindness without feeling that you owe them back. You've got to pay it back. We've got to be even at the end of the day. You gave me cookies, I give you cookies, we're square. Instead of just accepting the kindness. That's what, it's a, it feels kind of, that's what I'm saying, it's, it's really sneaky, isn't it? It feels like I'm 
doing a generous, humble thing, but really what I'm doing is making sure that at the end of the day, the ledger is even. That's all I care about. Thanks for the cookies, but I just don't want to owe you anything. Romans chapter 13, verse 8, kind of addresses this idea a little bit. He says, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. We think of debt. Not supposed to be in debt. Don't be in debt. That's the idea here. When you take out a loan, your intent is to pay it back. It should be. If you borrow something from somebody, you're supposed to pay it back. That's, that's the way we work. Whether a financial thing or something of a, a fellow Christian. But, but he says there's one thing that you're not ever supposed to feel that the ledger is even. And that is your debt of love to other people. You will always owe that. You never get to the point where, whew, okay, let's see. Uh, here's all the, I've got the, I get the app out, and I'm like, uh, do I owe them anything? Nope, good there. Scroll, okay, there's a person, i got to get them back for, for the goodness that did it, so we can feel even at the end of the day. That's not how Christianity works. That's false humility. I want to talk about some things that have to do with speech. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34. Matthew 12, 34. That doesn't look right. No, okay, here we go. Let's begin in verse 33. It says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Fruit of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of his good treasure in his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the treasure brings forth evil things. Our, our speech is consistent, in other words, with who we are on the inside. That's the way it's supposed to be. And that's really the way it will be. You can tell what a person's been thinking about and what they've been feeding their mind because in time, that's where their conversation will go. I want to talk about chameleon lingo. Uh, we, we visited a lot of churches when we, were, we would come back from, from overseas and visit churches that had supported us and, and try to generate some new funding for the congregation over there. And uh, one of the one of the churches we visited, it was, when I say a cowboy church, I mean it was cowboy church. I mean, the guy got up for communion and dude was wearing a cowboy hat and a shoestring tie. You know, I mean, and, uh, and he comes up, so it's, it's fine, I don't care. You can wear whatever, I don't care. Uh, but, uh, but he gets up to pray. And, uh, I mean, it's cowboy boots, the congregation around. I was the only one without one. And, uh, dear Lord, we thank thee for thine bounty, which, and I'm like, I know. 
He leaves here and he doesn't say thee, thy, or bounty the rest of the week. Right? <laughs> that doesn't, that's not a thing in his world. Right? We have the, the chameleon lingo. And whenever, um, whenever you sense chameleon lingo, there's a false pride somewhere. Maybe well-intentioned. This is the way that we're supposed to speak in church. Right? We're on holy ground. We're, we're, this is special. This is the special time. We use the special words. That's false humility. It might be well-intentioned, but it's false humility. Anytime that you have to change something to fit the atmosphere... Is false, and it comes from a source of pride, because it's false humility. I roll my eyes at King James people, kind of out of pity. What what did the world do before 1611? What do we do for 1,611 years without this perfect version of the Bible? There's this false humility. Ah, we have a standard. This Bible is the right one. Sounds right, sounds pious, sounds holy. It's a false idea. So, let's check our speech. Another one of these that falls under speech. Qualifiers. When we talk with each other, we do this with God too. We use qualifiers a lot. I know you're busy, but if you have time, could you? I don't know if you think this is a good idea, but I was thinking that we could. And we have we 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 preface. We preface these things. This is the the speech version of the gift. This is constantly reminding people that they are better than you. I am not worthy of your time. I'm not really on the same level intellectually as you, so my thought's probably not as valid as yours. And we're constantly reminding people that we are lower than them. It sounds good, but it is a false humility. It may come from a wonderful place in your heart that intends to be humble. But it is a false form of it. Don't qualify. We're a brotherhood. In God's eyes there is neither this nor that nor this nor that. God has put us all together in one group. And your time is valuable and their time is valuable and your thoughts are valuable and theirs are. We don't need to qualify things. We don't need to constantly emphasize to people that we are low. They are not. There's a similar version of this. It's called redirection. Oh, I've been so guilty of this. And it's most obvious when people compliment you. 
or thank you for something. Don't thank me, thank God. It, it was nothing. We constantly do this. Redirection. Sounds humble. Uses religious lingo. But it is at the heart of it an inability to take a compliment. And it's constantly diminishing another person. It's no different than the inability to accept a gift. Could you just accept a gift? I want to give you this. Well, I've got to get you back at the end of the day. It's the same thing. It's the, at the heart of it. It's sneaky, isn't it? And we do this. It took me so long to be able to accept. Thank you. Without deflecting in some way a compliment. The person wants, well, we're not supposed to praise each other. Well, my pardons to you, but Proverbs has a different idea. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 2. He says, let another man praise you. Not your own mouths. A stranger, even, but not your own lips. In other words, don't be in your face with your own praise. That's the, what a great man am I. Don't do that. Okay. Let other people praise you. Let other people praise you. Let other people compliment you. Let other people thank you. Don't constantly diminish their attempts to heap praise on you for something that is hard for us to do. Because why? I feel in debt now. Let other people praise you. They'll say, yes, you're right. No, back to the in your face. Thank you. It's hard. So I want to talk about the theft of joy in all this. One of the thefts of joy in this, <clears throat> excuse me, is this sense of obligation. Again, we go back, I owe. I owe something. A person has said something. A person has done something. I now owe them something. And it becomes, obligation becomes a burden that hangs on you. No different than a financial debt. You have a huge financial debt, it, you carry it around with you. Right? Is that feeling when you, you pay something off? That's a, that's a great feeling, isn't it? And, and we want that feeling. It's like somebody gave me a gift. I paid it off. Gave them their cookies back. Feel wonderful now. The feeling of obligation becomes a burden. So don't ever take it up. Our goal is to not have to be able to ever pay it back anyway. We just do kindness. And it's coming and going. And I never feel like I paid it off anyway. So I, I just I don't even I, I don't even keep track anymore. It's like my checkbook. I haven't managed that thing in years. <laughs> Another 
theft is in the harmful self-talk. The constant repetition of, of I'm not worthy of your time and I'm not worthy of your uh, elevated intellectual capabilities and I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. Oh, no, no, no. Don't take me, take it. I'm not worthy. And we constantly repeat in our own mind that somehow in the masses of humanity I'm the lowest person never to exist. And I'm simply not worthy of thanks or compliments. It's false humility. And people look, look at some of these tremendous... Those who weren't here yesterday, you missed out, by the way. Tremendous concert that we had. Wonderful music. It was like going back in time. Yeah. And if, if a person is wow, I'm, those people are incredibly talented. And we should be able to go, you know what? God gave me a talent. It insults God for me to not accept a compliment about a talent he gave me. Thank you. Hey, a person has worked hard and honed that ability and they deserve praise for that. For whatever. And it steals our joy. And it doesn't just steal my own joy for my own self-talk, but it creates barriers between me and those people. And this may be the worst thief of joy because now we steal other people's joy. I want to compliment you, but I can't because you're going to throw it back at me. I want to give you some cookies, but you're going to throw them back at me. Just take the stinking cookies. <laughs> just, just enjoy them. It was a gift. We wanted to do something. I wanted to pay a compliment, but now what happens between people is I'm going to compliment them and they're going to deflect or diminish and it says to that person, your compliment's not accurate. Don't compliment. That person can't, can't do what God says. He says, God said, don't ever let your debt remain outstanding of love. And we've said, you can't, you can't do that. Not with me. I consider you full, up and paid. So you can't continue to pay me. And I steal their joy. Because they can't pay me a compliment. They can't give me a gift. And I diminish their level of joy that they can have. Sneaky. Sneaky how that works. All out of false humility. Even if I was genuine. Even if I really am trying to be humble and say the right things. And so over time, we will carry heavier burdens, diminishing our joy, and we will force burdens upon other people, diminishing their joy, and creating barriers between people. And it's just one, one word to leave you with as we 
enter the, the Christmas season. And as we, we think about gifts and we think about all the exchanges between people, restrain yourself. Restrain those instincts to deflect To, to try to pay back, to try to make sure it's even. See, they got me one big gift. That means I owe them either one big one or two small ones. Like, like, oh, man. I've got I've to figure this out. What, do, what did we do last year? Were they ahead last year? Not sure. Restrain yourself. 